I don't know how Coach Saban found me all the way in Hawaii from Alabama. I just thank God he, he found me and, you know, we're here right now. To be able to do this on a national level um, and a big stage, um, it's just a great opportunity. Here now, play action fake. Two is in trouble. Throws towards the end zone. Loose Jerry Judy. Touchdown, Alabama. Tua throws long. Has Judy behind the defense. Jerry's in stride. 15, 10, 5. Thank you very much. Touchdown, Tua. Tango Valoa. Throws. Has Waddle across the middle. He's going in. Touchdown, Alabama. 40 yards. Tua. Tua has time. Tua looks. He'll throw across the middle. Open is Smith. He's loose inside the 20. Touchdown, Alabama. Tua fakes that way. Goes left. Wide open. Rugs reaching. Tua steps up. He sees an opening. He's going to run for the first down. class. I think only Chris Sims picked him as the best quarterback. Did Chris Sims pick him? Fair play. But like everyone else was saying, was he just being like, you know, I'm gonna pick a random here, or was he actually? I know some. I, this is exactly the right thing. Trying to step out of his dad's shadow, more or less. But I, I like Chris Sims. Am I, I, the, so am I, I alone? Am I the only one who likes Chris Sims? I no, I like him too. But um, and I don't think anyone thought Baker Mayfield was the best guy. So it, PFF did. In fairness, PFF had said, sorry, I don't know when, if they think he's the best now, but certainly mm. in the pre draft gradings they had picked him as the number one and the, the putative number one said he should be the number one but he can't like much like Burrow who we're going to get on to in our second uh, item here he kind of came from left field up the up the boundary a little bit certainly whereas he was Tua not, as you said at the start yeah. was the guy and has been for a while yeah um, Tua obviously had a fairly horrific injury it's a hip injury um, and I don't know if like I've been coloured by the piece of work that we did with Luke Keeney the Donegal footballer and just it was a bit of a deep dive around that that we did into other people who have hip injuries hips don't really recover the way other parts of your body recover if you do your cruciate they fix your cruciate up and you're going to be mostly okay for the rest of your career but your hip degenerates to the point where they replace it and um, so Roy Keane did his hip they shaved it he went back in he was slightly diminished they shaved it again and he was never the same player again Mm. like I would just be concerned about how quickly or otherwise he's going to be able to come back from this. Yeah, you do wonder with previous quarterbacks who've come into the league with pre-existing injuries from college, so Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, um, RG3, and these three guys, if they were given their chance again by the teams that, were dra- that drafted them, if those teams could do it again, basically, I think the Redskins wouldn't, but the other two would. Mm. So you just have to put up with it sometimes. This is a very physical game, and... The pros will outweigh the cons in a Deshaun Watson, in a Wentz, and in my opinion, in a Tua. It has a 100% injury rate. Right, Kian Fahey is on the line as well. Let's do the pick six. The pick six on Off The Ball. Oh, how I've missed the cheesy puns. Kian, how are you? I'm doing well, I'm doing well, how are you? Yeah, good, you're uh, cultivating that beard. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I am. Um, I paid. Let's just say I paid for my trip to Miami over the last week, and it's been a bit of a, a sickness and a bit of a struggle at home, so I haven't been able to get out and look after myself. Uh, cry me a tiny river. That's coming up a little bit later on. So, number one, <laughs> Tua, are you are you a believer in the talent of Tua, and should whoever can possibly take him at number two take him? Um, well, I think what you were saying there is kind of vital to me. If you're talking about a guy with a hip injury, it's Look, um, you can say an ACL tear is something that you come back from, and that's fine, but that's not really the case. An ACL tear, you're going to damage the cartilage, you're going to damage everything inside the actual knee besides the ligament, and that'll have long-term issues. I kind of, I go mad when people say, oh, it's only meniscus, meniscus it's only cartilage, because I'm, from my own personal history, I know that's something that can get to the point where you can't walk and can't move properly. And the hip isn't, there's no ligament there, really, that's, that needs to be worked on as far as I know, or at least there's no major ligament. But there is a lot of joints, there's a lot of cartilage, there's a lot of the actual fit of the bone. And we all know someone with a bad hip, but we all know someone with a bad hip who is 60 years of age. This guy is 20 years of age or 19, 20, 21, whatever it is, with a bad hip. That terrifies me. So if I was going to take him in the first round at all, he would have to be a superstar, unbelievable, incredible prospect just because of how scary that hip is. And watching him the last couple of days in great detail, I think he's probably an Andy Dalton level player, which when you throw in the hip injury, oh, that, that's not something I can take. Like that's, that's not something I can buy into. Look, I think the first thing we have to say when we're talking about all these prospects is we're evaluating unfinished products. We're evaluating guys who are 50% of what they're going to be, 60% of what they're going to be. This whole process is kind of a bit nonsensical, a bit illogical, and something that we probably shouldn't be doing, but we have to do it because these guys have to get picked and these guys have to be projected forward. But I feel like with a guy like Tua, there's way too many question marks with that when you add in the hip injury. He played at Alabama. So at Alabama, the most recent NFL-relevant quarterback at Alabama, besides Jalen Hurts, who transferred, is uh, A.J. McCarron. And A.J. McCarron played in a very, very different style of offense because Nick Saban changed his offense around completely once Johnny Manziel... Uh, tore him apart. He went from uh, run heavy, tight, give the ball to Derek Henry, give the ball to Mark Ingram, into a spread offense where they spread everyone out and had everyone throwing the ball. So the offenses are completely different that uh, Tua is in to AJ McCarron, but the same impact of having the best player at every position or having a matchup advantage at every position has the same impact on that quarterback. If you watch Tua's tape, it's a lot of easy throws. It's a lot of wide open receivers. It's a lot of great pass protection. It's a lot of screens. In the games I watched, I don't think I've ever seen any quarterback throw as many screens or build plays off of screen looks. So I think there are just far too many question marks for me to say that I would take to a, in the top five or the top ten or even the first round, to be honest. But he's definitely going to go. That's the thing. Like he, He's going to end up going there. That's I how think this so. works. Like, but I, I also can't blame anyone for it because when you see a quarterback and like, like, look at the two best quarterbacks in the league right now. Lamar Jackson was not this guy coming out of college. He got better once he once he got into the NFL. And nobody was saying Lamar Jackson is going to be the next superstar in this league. At least no one credible or no one with a, a big reputation or whatever. And then you look at Mahomes. Mahomes came out as a developmental project. Like, he didn't start his first year because he needed to get better. So even if Tua doesn't play his first season and the, the team that drafts him says, we see the potential in this guy, and this guy is going, he has the intelligence, he has the timing, because that's one thing he really does have. He's a very smart quarterback, an intelligent quarterback. So if they look at that and say, we can build around him and we can let him get better and we can tr trust his health and we've got a great uh, coaching staff that can look after him physically, you can't really blame a team for taking any quarterback that they like that highly because of the value of what they represent when they, when they in return. When they hit, yeah. So the first 
staging post in this like pre-draft sales pitch from Team Tua was Monday with the CT scan and Ian Rappaport reported that it, the results were as positive as possible. Um, fractures healed, hip has good range of motion and everything seems to be on track but teams are only going to take that on face value because they're going to work him out themselves before yeah. they do anything like yeah. signing him up. So I think... You have to... We have to recognize there that Ian Rapport, the only place he can get that information is from Tua's agent. Yeah. So, I mean, Tua's agent isn't going to send him negative stuff. So, the real medical checks will be at the combine and we'll get the actual information there. And you've seen even with the likes of Jackson who sat half a season um, and then only came in as a starter because Flacco went down. Like, something similar could happen with Tua here. There had been talk about the Lions maybe being linked with him here and Stafford getting traded out. Like, they've dismissed that notion out of hand, but there's... Have you ever seen anything in this league where there's... I let it get out there in the first place. Yeah, Somebody did. No smoke without fire. But mm. So I think Stafford would represent a 32 million dead money hit if they let him go this time. But so you'd be as well just picking him and keeping Stafford for the year exactly. and then playing him. What do you think is going to happen with Matthew Stafford? Is that one of our pick six? Am I skipping forward? No, no, no. But we should... This is a Valentine's themed uh, Okay, six. okay. I didn't, even, I didn't even spot that. And number one... Two, two will become one. Two will become one. Spice Girls reference. Um, so let's just get that in there. Can but, I borrow a feeling? Yeah, that's going to be number two. Do you want to move on to Joe Burrow? Yeah, let's go. So Joe Burrow... What's Can I Borrow a Feeling? Have you not seen The Simpsons, no? I mean, I have. Millhouse's dad, Can I Borrow, can I borrow a Feeling? What does Millhouse's dad do? Well, it's a... It's a oh, no, Jar. It's a oh, wide-ranging no. episode, Keen. Have you seen it? This episode? Yes. Is this the divorce episode? It's when he tries... Ireland Simpsons fans, Jar. He tries to win her back at the end. And he sings Can I Borrow a Feeling? Yeah. So the song... Anyway, are you going to sing the song for us? We've had sure. Johnny Ward sing. Almost, have we? Yeah. Almost certainly not. Um, Almost certainly. So yeah. Normally, normally Ronan embarrasses himself with these things. I think you just did. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> um, can I borrow a feeling anyway? So Joe, Joe Burrow actually had about as much draft stock as Metalhouse's dad this time last year. And then when he went to LSU, he really lit things up. All the Tom Brady comparisons. It's, it's all about his poise and composure. Like even Enda said outside, he comes across a bit smug. Like he seems to he seems to fancy himself a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you're going to leave, wants to save the world. I'm like, come on, get get the hype train going. Two is an immeasurably more likable human being. Is he? In my opinion. Right. Okay. But um, Joe Burrow is going to go number one. I think there's very little doubt about that at this stage. But unless Keen Keen's seen the tape, what do you think? Jeez, Ronan, Ronan's coming out strong here, like an anonymous source, attacking characters and <laughs> picking personalities and who's going to be a better leadership. Uh, that is something that happens, by the way. They do go after these guys and character-wise. And so, so if Faro is the, the more confident, more arrogant guy, they'll actually prefer that in the NFL. Um, I, I watched him, and I think the first thing you have to do is ignore the numbers, because like, the numbers in college don't really mean anything, uh, especially when... Like, you can go through the, the historical numbers and see the guys who are at the top of each list and they went nowhere in the NFL. Like, a guy like Case Keenum had incredible numbers in college and he was one of the better guys in the top 10 of those lists where most of those guys didn't even play in the NFL. Um, Burrow, the thing you wouldn't mention with Burrow's numbers, though, is he's at the top of everything. He had the most impressive statistical season uh, college quarterback has ever had. And the reason he had that, in large part, was he had an incredible supporting cast. He had two wide receivers there who I think both could be superstars in the NFL, both make incredible adjustments to the ball in the air, both run incredible routes, are brilliant after the catch, physical specimens, incredible talents, very precise, very accurate in what they're doing technically and in what they're doing timing-wise and how they react to situations. And then you have an offensive line that didn't let anyone get past them ever. But to get not to completely take away from Burrow, I think that, that's the way you explain his production. I think 
you can in, in, uh, evaluate him individually away from his production then. You reveal a quarterback who is like Matt Ryan level, who to me, like Matt Ryan has been the top quarterback for a decade, was the best back in the league once or twice over the course of his career. He is incredibly poised, incredibly composed, very accurate, not a huge arm. But the thing I really liked about Burrow was his pocket movement and the way he could adjust the pressure and read pressure and feel what was happening around him while reading what was happening downfield. As a passer, I think there are probably some limitations, and people would say the same about Matt Ryan. There are some limitations in that he doesn't have a huge arm. He's not going to hit fit the ball into tight windows deep downfield over and over again. But what he did do very, very well was he understood the leverage of his receiver against the coverage. So what I mean by that is when you've got a six foot two receiver running against a five eleven cornerback, and the five eleven cornerback is on the in- inside of that receiver running down the left sideline. He will not try to throw the perfect pass. He will make sure the ball clears the cornerback and he just lays it down into a spot and lets his wide receiver go after it in the air away from the defender. And that's the kind of thing that's very, very valuable in the NFL if you play with really good receivers. or if you like, like if you dropped him into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense right now, he would be the perfect quarterback for them because he would lay the ball up for Mike Evans, lay it up for Chris Godwin. He'd take advantage of O.J. Howard and, and Cameron Braid's size and he would do that very, very smartly while adjusting to the pressure that comes to playing behind that offensive line. But that's what you want, but right? That, yes, that is what you want. But if you put him in an offense where he's got little more limited talent, where he's got guys who can't make those adjustments and make those plays at the catch point, you could see a very, very dramatic drop-off. in the AJ Green, CJ Osimo, the two running backs. The Bengals is perfect for Burrow, right? Uh, assuming AJ Green stays there because he's uh, a free agent, I believe. Well, they can franchise tag him. It's, it's I like- think the... The bigger question I would have in the, the fit in Cincinnati is Zach Taylor is a Sean McVay type of poor, uh, offensive coordinator. So he wants his quarterback under center doing a lot of that, whereas Burrow is more of a shotgun quarterback. I think. Okay. All right. And he's also, there was some suggestion maybe he's not that keen on going to his hometown state. Yeah, that seems to be played up by other quarters. He just didn't dispel it out of hand. And I think that kind of exacerbated things a bit. But I think he is going to go there yeah. and they're going to take a lot to give up that number one pick. It's ironic that he's stepping in for Andy Dalton, who... Uh, Ian Rappaport also reporting that they're going to help facilitate Andy Dalton to go somewhere, somewhere else, which is very nice of them. Well, that basically means we're not looking for a pick beyond a sixth or a conditional seventh, mm. right? So he's like 17 million next year and he's decent. Like so He's, he's we'll, kind of as good as the cast around him. And if your team is, is talented, yeah, I think so he can get you into the playoffs. Is he Ryan Tannehill? That's it. He could have a, if he could have a similar sort of resurgence, I think he could be a useful fit for a team in sort of win now or do well now mode sort of thing. Chicago. I think he's a, he'd be a perfect fit for yeah, Chicago's a good a good option, but I think they'll probably go for Marcus Mariota based on their in their scheme and the fit there. I think he's a perfect for a, a team like the Eagles, where you know he can be the back of the Carson Wentz. Like that's Andy Dalton's greatest strength over the years was very rarely gets hurt, very durable, has a very specific skill set. You know what you need from him. If you give him to Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz goes down, Doug Peterson will be able to build a very good offense around him because he knows exactly what he can do and what he can't do and what he'll do consistently snap to snap. That's not something you can say about every quarterback. Yeah, and uh, two gingers, you know, who doesn't like a ginger mafia as your uh, quarterback duo? Absolutely. Number three Page. number three on the pick six, Jer, uh, the last of our draft prospects for this week, who Mossy Quinn is very high on, Chase Young. Young hearts run free. Yeah. And uh, this man is his transformative talent. The question is... The Washington Redskins have so much to do to that roster and team. Someone's gonna. There's so many people who would love Chase Young that they might be inclined to offer them a boatload, and it could be a reverse RG3 where people will remember famously Washington gave up the farm to get RG3 and didn't quite work out. But I could very much see 
a team coming with a similar draft capital to them and saying, can we have this guy at number two? Do you think so? Yeah. People are going to put multiple picks together to get Chase Young? I think so. Like, as you, we mentioned Pro Football Focus earlier, they're ranking him as the best player in this draft. Yeah, and look, it makes sense, right? So what's Joey Bosa, what's Nick Bosa worth now? Exactly. That's He's it. worth more than one first-round pick, right? Like, Bosa should have been Defensive Player of the Year, not just Rookie of the Year. I mean, there was that one week where Gilmore got torn apart at the end by Devontae Parker, but he was pretty good. But he was good against terrible teams. Oh, look, I mean, the, the reason Bosa didn't get it was because he had a bit of a blip for a four or five week period. Then he got the rest and came back strong at the end of the season. And obviously they, they don't count the uh, playoffs. I think we can we can note that uh, we don't actually need to go to guys like Bosa's to figure this out because Marcus Davenport two years ago for the... I can't remember who originally had that pick, but the New Orleans Saints traded two first-round picks to go and get him. And he was a developmental pass rusher, a great athlete, a guy who needed to be coached up. Um so that kind of sets the value there. So if you want to go and get Chase Young, it's going to be three first-round picks plus. It's not going to be just two. Like you're going to the very top of the draft. If I'm, but if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, right, and I want this generational pass rusher, I can get him for three first-round picks, knowing full well that I'm going to be picking, you know, 30, 32, mm. maybe 26 if I have a really bad year and everything goes tits up. Like... That's the type of thing that... Yeah, the, the, only problem, the only problem with that is Washington also know you're going to be picking there. Yeah, so... Uh, but, like, they're going to take three first-round picks, aren't they? Are they going to take three, four? Are they? Do you take three, I four? think it might take four. If you're the Chiefs, it's probably going to cost you four. It just shows what kind of uh, rarefied air this guy's held in. He hasn't even played a snap in the NFL yet, but people are seeing him as a Virgil van Dyke type. Well, Miles Garrett's player. on our list. Like, you know, you can see how that would change. You can see what Bosa and D4 did to a really, to a defence that hasn't changed other than that, really. Mm. Just, like, they, they signed some linebackers and they get some production from them. But, like, um, a defence that's ready to go and missing one piece, if this is your one piece and you're going to get them, this is the last year that everybody's going to have five-year rookie deals. So there's a good chance these deals and this class looks like an absolutely brilliant bit of business after the new CBA is, is published. Yeah. No, he's definitely... Yeah, I, uh, I, did, I did write about this this week. I did write about Chase Young uh, for Patreon and the, the I kind of went into it kind of rolling my eyes and going, oh yeah, we have another generational pass rusher. Every second year since Mario Williams, we've had a generational pass rusher. And was, I felt like we're getting to the point where we're massively overhyping these guys. So I went in really, really sceptical. And then I watched him and I was like, oh... Yeah, this guy is probably the best we've seen for 10, 15 years, maybe since Julius Peppers. This guy is insanely good. So you got the first thing you've got to understand is, if you go back through the years, you've got like, uh, Jadavian Clowney came out of college, absolute monster, destroyed everyone in front of him, but had no idea how to rush a passer. Did not know how to use his hands, did not know how to use his leverage, did not use his weight. And to a degree, he's still learning that. He hasn't figured it out yet. Injuries played a role in that. Joey Bosa came out of college, wasn't considered an incredible athlete, was considered very uh, very agile, very very fluid, but was technically good, wasn't seen as a great edge rusher, obviously proved that right. Bosa, the other Bosa brother last year came out of college, was considered very good, considered a limited ceiling. That's still to be, to be determined. Uh, Khalil Mack, another guy who came out as a linebacker, but became an edge rusher. He came out as someone who needed to prove that he could be consistent, prove he could play against higher-level competition because he played at Buffalo. Chase Young is coming out of college with none of these question marks. This guy is... I, the, the only thing I could think of was Vic Beasley, except if Vic Beasley had an extra 50 pounds, extra 40 pounds. Miles Garrett. Uh, Miles Garrett came out of college as an incredible mover, incredibly talented, and 
pretty much as good as it gets, really. And to be honest, Chase Young, to me, would be on Miles Garrett's level as the two, the best since since Mac and since Peppers. Yeah. It's good, like, I, I'm not of the opinion that you have to take pass rushers high. I don't think pass rushers... I think pass rushers have kind of tipped the other way and got, become overvalued, but I couldn't see anyone uh, passing on him at number two or taking anyone else above him at number two. And not selling him for a boatload of picks. I can do that too. I, I can. I'm not someone who like I spent the year the quarterback Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. And them were coming out. Uh, there's very very few prospects in college coming out who I would not take three first round picks for. Like if you're getting chance of getting three players in this sport where one player has very limited impact, especially one individual defensive player, you take the three picks. Yeah. All right. What's next? Number four, Crimey Rivers. So we're moving from the those at the dawn of their careers, there to those in is he in dusk. Oh, Nightfall? It's midnight. Yeah, it's dark. Five past midnight. Do you think you should just retire? Yes. Yes. Because there's a few people showing interest. The Colts, most notably. The Buccaneers aren't quite sure what they're going to do with James Are the Colts Winston. actually showing an interest? Or is it like Philip Rivers people going, oh, there's a guy there that used to, that drinks beer. Does he even drink beer, Philip Rivers? I don't know. I think the Colts are the ones with a legitimate interest. The other yeah, ones... He doesn't curse. He says dadgummit because he doesn't curse. Is that right? Yeah. That's He's got 11 kids. You can't be cursing in front of all your young kids. I mean, take that one up with Dave McIntyre. Oh, it's Adrian Barry who curses in front of his child, who's now unfortunately <laughs> found his child has uh, learned how to how to curse and is doing it all the time. Um, you'd just be so disenfranchised if you were Philip Rivers. Like he's a legend of the Chargers, but what does that actually mean? Like you're a legend of what? The Chargers aren't anything anymore. So you're you're kind of retiring on such a bum note. Yeah. So you think he should go one more season yeah. and have a. He's still decent, like. He's as good as Tom Brady. Late period. He, he could definitely he, he's he could go somewhere decent, and win with... Tom Brady. Yeah. I don't think that's a... <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. If Tom Brady's going to get a nice lucrative move, then Philip Rivers is very much entitled to one. Well, look, I think, I think you're right. I think he could end up somewhere. I, I, like, I don't know why you would... Somewhere, I don't know. But tell us, could he succeed with the current talent that they have in Tampa Bay? Um, I don't think Philip Rivers can succeed just because I think his arm is dead to the point that at the start of the year it's a problem and by the end of the year it's a fatal flaw. But I do think if you were going to say the best fit for him, that's definitely Tampa Bay because of what I just talked about with Burrow, understanding the leverage of your receivers and understanding the talent of that group. And that situation fits in perfectly because they don't have a great offensive line. They will give up pressure, but Philip Rivers is always great at getting the ball out and moving a little bit to avoid pressure and extend plays to within the pocket. He's not going to extend plays outside the pocket, obviously. But he's a smart enough quarterback who could make that skill set work, make that uh, supporting cast work. It could be similar to Favre in Minnesota all those years ago. Very different style because they had Adrian Peterson to rely on and a great defense. The Tampa Bay defense is getting better, but it's not great. I think if you put Philip Rivers on the Tampa Bay roster, it would be probably three or four wins more than you get out of Jameis Winston, which puts you in a, a, a good position to be a playoff team. I just don't think you could go further in the playoffs. I also think the, the Tampa Bay connection is really strong because, well, for one, Bruce Arians basically came out after the season and said he's going nowhere with Jameis Winston because he's terrible. And like Bruce Arians is very, very frank in how he speaks, so generally what he says you can believe. But Jim, uh, Arians also recognized years and years ago that Carson Palmer had a lot more left in him when he was uh, jettisoned by the Oakland Raiders. And People will look back on Carson Palmer's career, similar to Rivers' career, where they would say it's kind of nondescript. There was nothing really to celebrate all that much. But at the end of that career, when he was in Arizona, he had a couple of years there where he would play to an MVP level. And when I think it was the year Cam Newton won it, where he was pushing and, until the playoffs when he played 
with an injured hand and had an awful game and everyone kind of forgot that during the regular season that year he was incredible so I think it, Tampa Bay makes a lot of sense I don't think anyone else there makes sense the other thing for Tampa Bay is I don't where they're picking in the draft I don't think they're going to be in position to get a quarterback they can start week one no I'm just trying to find out where they're picking 14th so projected the other one the other problem for Rivers is the creation class of quarterbacks this year is peculiarly good like there are a lot of I'm not sure what the final uh, snap point here is but like Teddy Bridgewater and Marcus Mariota being available, Ryan Tannehill potentially being available. Uh, who else is there? There is like Dalton, obviously. That's for a free agent class. That's really, really strong. Yeah, and and look, maybe the Detroit Lions aren't going to give up Matthew Stafford. We don't know just yet. And maybe Matthew Stafford is basically Jameis Winston, though, which is kind of a problem. Ah, he's not. No, he kind of is. <laughs> we'll come back to that because hopefully that story will uh, evolve for us um, what else have we got number five number five I would walk 500 miles proclaimers beacons of romance and uh, Miles Garrett if you're wondering what he was banned indefinitely and if you're wondering what indefinitely means for hitting someone over the head with a helmet rest of the season it's two and a half months right so is that fair enough yeah I mean I'm glad he's back he's sticking to his story which I thought was like I thought he would have retired it but he didn't he's sticking to his story he says Mason Rudolph I'm not repeating it because I don't know if Mason Rudolph's going to sue us here and die on him. But anyway, he's, he, a racial slur was used, was a suggestion. Rudolph denied it. Rudolph didn't have his ban overturned by the NFL, but they could find no evidence that uh, he had used that slur. And we've spoken about the, the category that, we, that Miles Garrett is in as a player. Is this a speed bump in his career? Or? Yes, I, I think that like, there was this mad ban him for life overreaction. The guy like lost it. I, I predict an Eric Cantona-style return to form for Miles Garrett. That's what I'm predicting. He's going to have the season of his career. That would mean the Browns uh, win that the be, Super Bowl. That would, that would be annoying if the Browns were good. Uh, but I think he could, like, he's, going to, he's going to make the Pro Bowl next year. He's going to be an All-Pro. That's, I mean, I'm not going out on a limb. He's absolutely brilliant. But I, I predict that he's going to not look back. I don't know if you, uh, if you watch the McGregor UFC fight live or the, the totality of it, but you know when they go to the celebrities in the crowd? Well, they panned to Miles Garrett and he got a massive cheer and all the focus was on Miles Garrett and the, the commentator saw with Miles Garrett and who was sat right next to him got completely ignored? Baker Mayfield. So even though Miles Garrett is this big negative storyline in, in, uh, in, in the world and like, I guess wherever you want to put it, he's still kind of the face of the Browns more than, uh, more than Baker Mayfield is because of how bad Baker Mayfield was last year. Like even as bad as Miles Garrett's incident was, he had a better year than Baker Mayfield had, I think, overall moving forward. He's still a superstar player. Uh, what you can talk about that incident, I'm not sure we can say much about it without getting in trouble, so we'll move right past it. And I think he's going to be a, a foundational piece for that defense. From everything that I know about him character-wise, like we forget a couple of weeks before this, a fan ran up to him and punched him in the face, and he didn't react at all. Like He apparently is one of these people who is very mellow, who doesn't get in trouble, who is considered a, a great character, whether whether that's PR, whether that's people in back channels pushing his way, whatever, you, you don't know. But he hasn't had a huge amount of controversy in his career. He plays a very aggressive physical position, so there's always going to be incidents or whatever. This one was obviously completely different. But I think the NFL actually got this right and just set him down for the rest of the year. At the very quietest time of the year right now, you can talk about him coming back, get the story out of the way. Now everyone's focused on the draft and free agency and... We'll kind of have completely forgotten about this by the time September comes around. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Brown's picking 10th, by the way. Um, so, you know, top 10 pick. They've, 
they should still have a lot of talent around uh, picking 10th. Absolutely, but the Ravens are still going to win the division, so don't worry about that. Um, and finally, number six, X on Fire. The XFL is back. And how? Like, compared to the last time where the... What's this song? What's this one? Kings of Leon. What's the song? Sex on Fire. Oh, yeah, okay. Very famous, very famous song, Ger. Um <laughs> <laughs> So, X on Fire, you'll recall the XFL when it first, in its first iteration was basically crashing the pit lane. It never got off the ground. Whereas if you looked at even a helicopter view last weekend, attendance were decent, average 17,000, 18,000. The key thing is it's on ESPN and Fox, and that means SportsCenter were leading with the XFL right. on a couple of editions, mm. which is crazy to think. Yeah, no one's watching SportsCenter anymore is the, is the thing. They just need to make the clips available to everybody so you can actually see it. The names are a bit shit. Well, the name, all names are like objectively terrible. Uh, San Francisco 49ers is a great name. What does that even mean? Well, the 49ers who, they were the yeah, miners, but I mean, to they the were the miners from the gold rush. To the person in the street, they're like, huh? It's, so a, it's the same it, with anything. It's like a deeply historical aspect of the stitched into American history where people went out to the Wild West, to the frontier, and dug with their bare hands to find gold. They were the 49ers. Yeah. It's then like you, a, it's a good name. Then you've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, it's a shit name. They go around dressed like pirates. Yeah. So for, every, for all the sublime, there's equally ridiculous. Um, yeah, okay. I just, yeah, you can't. Well, when you said the names are a bit shit there, I thought you were talking about Connor Cook and the players. But the actual, <laughs> yeah. from from what I from what I can tell, like I planned to watch uh, the Dallas game. I think it was it was a Friday night, but I passed out under whatever medicine I was on at the time and missed the whole game. But from everything I know from people I've talked to and everything I know I, who fans have watched it and have come back to me and said it, the quality of it's been pretty good and the play of has been quite enjoyable. And there's actually talk of the NFL taking some of the rule changes because some of the rule changes have worked really well so far. Obviously, we're only a week in, but this kind of looks like it's set up to sustain, which isn't something we could say about any of the other leagues in the last few years. And yeah, SportsCenter doesn't matter anymore, but ESPN affiliation really does matter. Like ESPN numbers, the ESPN audience in America, like the second biggest sports channel in America is ESPN2. Like ESPN and ESPN2, they're both massive there. They both take over everything there. So if you are on that, you've got a chance. And Pat McAfee is the lead broadcaster, so that's that's just a great thing. More Pat McAfee. Um, the AAF, which was the league that set up last year that lasted seven or eight games, um, some players did manage to make it from that. Um, the 49ers picked up Brunskill, who ended up like playing in the Super Bowl for them uh, on the offensive line. And that was one of the things where if you went out of the league, there was no way to get back into the league except be on a practice yeah. squad, which is like no money for the same level of risk of injury that the first teamers have. So like there is definitely room for those thousands of college students who don't make it to the NFL, but who might be late developers and late bloomers to, to do it. So that makes sense, right? You got this, Jordan. Yeah, I, th I think people... Oh. Go on, yeah. I was just going to say, we've got this Frozen. Jordan Tamu guy yep. who was at Ole Miss and was actually pretty decent and an exciting player, but he did such a bad touchdown-interception ratio that all the NFL teams sort of went, thanks, no thanks, he was with Houston, I think, for a little while. But now, as you said, he's not just bounced out of the, the consciousness. Like he's, still, he's playing on mainstream TV again, and if he can put some decent seasons or even games together, I'm sure someone would be inclined to... Bring him back on the roster. Uh, who's the running back that the Browns traded away and managed to get a first-round pick from the Colts for? Trent, Trent Richardson. Trent Richardson. Trent Richardson's okay. playing, isn't he? Trent Richardson, who was briefly at the Ravens as well. And also playing the AAF, I think, too. So, uh, right, that is pretty much it. Anything yeah. else, Keen? you think we should talk about before we go? Oh, no, I just wanted to say there about the XFL. I think the we can't really stress enough the TV aspect of this because I think there's a misconception that people see 
the NFL is this billion dollar organization and it is and they assume all these teams are investing a lot of money in uh, scouting and evaluating and making the best possible uh, opportunity to see the or making the best possible opportunity to make their roster better by searching far and wide for players as much as possible it's not the case the the Cincinnati Bengals apparently have two scouts like these this team these aren't organizations that are well run when it comes to evaluating and finding players like otherwise you'd have more guys like more exploring or from Europe going over there and playing. You don't have that. So getting these guys on TV and giving them a second chance is huge. Yeah. Good stuff, Ken. Thanks a million. A reminder, American football on Off the Ball is brought to you in association with the Aer Lingus College Football Classic, Navy against Notre Dame at the Aviva Stadium on the 29th of August. Check out collegefootballireland.com for game tickets and more. Offtheball.com forward slash gridiron is where you can sign up to get the latest news from all things gridiron, including the snap, the podcast of this, latest news and reports in the Irish American Football League and much more. Offtheball.com forward slash gridiron. Running good stuff. Pick 6 is back. Bringing a bit of love to your life. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week.